الحمد لله الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد One of the main purposes of our existence here is so that we can recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can get to know Him. Uh, there's some narrations that give us an indication that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this world so that He could be recognized. That He could create some creatures, created beings that would then recognize Him. It's just something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to do. So <clears throat> in that regard, one of the main purposes of this world is that we recognize Allah. And one of the ways of success in this world, especially in terms of its bearings on the hereafter, is if we can get to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Getting to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is one of the main objectives of this world, which is the secret of success in this world and in the hereafter. Now, there's no way you can love someone unless you know more about them. When you get to know more about somebody, <clears throat> then, or when you start getting closer to someone then if they have good qualities then it can only result in you becoming closer to them yourself and beginning to love them of course if you get closer and closer and you actually start seeing defects you actually start seeing problems then that's not going to make you closer but the closer you get to someone and all you see is greatness qualities virtues then you're just going to get closer to them so the secret of success in this world is to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and love Him. And the way to gain that and attain that is to know more about Him. Because all, you, all we will see are, is greatness and virtue <coughs> and beauty and everything else that is praiseworthy. So if, you, if we start looking at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, one of the main places the source to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from is his book. That's his message to mankind to give us an insight into who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So if you start looking at the Quran, the various verses inside, what you'll actually start seeing is that you will see a sovereign, a king, an overpowering uh, king <coughs> for whom all sovereignty is his. Everything is his. That's what you'll notice in the Quran. That means that every praise should be him because for, from him comes everything. The, every matter, every issue that takes place in the world is entirely in his hands, is entirely in his control. The source of everything is from him. So not only is the source of everything from him, but everything's return is to him as well. So everything comes from him while it's in existence it relies on him to function and then when it leaves as everything in this world will leave then its return is to him as well and he is established on his on his throne he is established on his throne which means he possesses the throne he dominates the throne and nothing of this world is unseen to him nothing of this world is uh, veiled from him everything for to the most extremities of this world which are only extremities to us for him everything is the same whether something's in a city or something's in a village or something's in a remote part of the world that other people have not been able to see 
all of that is the same to him. He, in fact, not just that, but everything that goes on in the hearts of all of his creatures. So whatever goes on in the mind of his servants, he is also knowledgeable about that as well. He's aware of those things as well. He understands their secrets. He understands what their hearts harbor and what their minds think about. And he knows what their external aspects are and what they reveal. He is the one that is alone responsible for the entire administration of, his, of this universe. So we're just trying to, we, we, these, are, these are things that if we ponder over it, we will recognize. We're just trying to put them together today, just so that we can get a complete picture, inshallah. So he is alone in terms of administrating this entire sovereignty that he has. He is the one who sees, he is the one who hears everything. He is the one who gives everything. He is the one who prevents anything that a person doesn't get. He is the one who rewards so the entire reward system is his. The entire punishment system is his. He's the one who honors. He's the one who degrades and dishonors. He's the one who creates things. He's the one who uh, sustains things. He's the one who gives death finally. And he's the one who gives life in the first place. He is the one who premeditates all of these things. He is the one who predestines all of these things. He is the one who decrees all of these things. And he is the one who plans all of these things. So pretty much everything, there's nothing out of his power. <clears throat> when any, whenever any matters take place in this world, whenever any affairs uh, take place in this world, they come down from him. Whether they are subtle, to the most subtle and minute level, or whether they are the greatest events that take place, everything comes from him. And there is not an atom, an infinitesimal amount of anything in this world that moves except with his permission. So he is not just somebody who put everything into motion and then after that he's disappeared or he's taken a back seat and he's allowed things to move on their own. But no, he is the one who lets these things happen as he is the one who permits these things to happen so he's in control from every one of their moments in fact not a leaf falls except with his permission and with his knowledge as allah mentions in the quran allah doesn't mention all of these in the quran clearly but he mentions some things and you we fill in the rest of it he, he, he mentions the most uh, important things so now let us think how have you found Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praising himself in the Quran? The other thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does in the Quran, he praises himself in the Quran. Numerous verses to that effect. Subhanak, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. There's just so many uh, different uh, verses in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is praising himself, glorifying himself, um, exemplifying himself, magnifying himself. Uh, he is then seen in the Quran also then you can tell that he has compassion because he is advising people he is counseling people he's telling people where is your success going to lie where does your success lie how do you gain fortune in the hereafter he, not only does he tell you that but he also encourages that constantly he's encouraging he's persuading and then after that he is dissuading from points of destruction what is going to destroy you what is it that destroys you so he is going to constantly warn people and then another thing that he does is that he opens up 
He grants us an opening into his names and his attributes. So he tells us what are his names and attributes. So that we can get to know him better. Then the other thing he does is that he mentions his bounties on us. And all of his favors. And the purpose of that is so that we can love him. Because humans, this is the way people are. That we are generally attracted to somebody because of what they give us. One is the whole beauty aspect and everything. One is the completeness and perfection. But another one is that when they start to give favors, then human generally is a slave to these things. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes people to love him by mentioning his bounties and his favors upon them. <clears throat> he reminds them of these things. And not only that, but he tells them how to complete the bounties that he has given them by doing shukr so that he can give more uh, this is an entire system that is in place then he also warns of his punishment he then tells people all of the great things that he has in store for them in the hereafter the jannat and all the great things that if they are obedient this is what they will get he also then obviously tells them what are the harms if they are sinful what is in store for them in terms of punishment so he mentions everything. He's, he doesn't hide anything. He's very clear about everything that he does. He then mentions to people, he, he reminds people of what he has in store for his awliya, for his friends, for those who do good. And also what he has in store for his enemies, just to dissuade them. He not only does that, but he is uh, such a gracious, gracious Lord that if, any, uh, if uh, he, he mentions, the, he praises those people who do good. He praises the people who do good based on their good actions and their good deeds. He's recognizing people. So, you know, one is that somebody is doing good according to the, the command, but there's no praise that's given. There's no acknowledgement. So he's acknowledging things in the Quran. He mentions their beautiful characteristic. Then he criticizes his enemies and he shows their evil actions and what their bad character and their bad attributes are. He provides numerous examples. He provides numerous examples. He lays down many, many proofs. He lays down many proofs for all of these things. So it's a complete system that nobody can come and have any, any excuse otherwise afterwards. He responds if anybody in this world comes and comes forth with some kind of doubts, suspicions, criticisms. He responds to these criticisms. He mentions it very clearly. He gives responses to all of these things in the best way, in the best ways. Our responsibility is just to read the Quran. That's the, one of the benefits of reading the Quran, that if we read this, we will continue to understand the benefits of these things and we will continue to see the responses that Allah provides so that will keep the heart pure as possible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the confirms the truth of the truthful one. And he obviously invalidates the falsehood of the false one. He says the truth, he guides to the right path, and he is the one constantly inviting people to the abode of peace in the hereafter. He constantly reminds us of how beautiful it is, its characteristics, its description, its bounties, its bliss. He mentions all of these things. And then he warns people of the abode of destruction. So he mentions its punishment, he mentions its evil, he mentions its bad description. 
he then reminds the people of their need to him their need of him and how intensely they are in need of him they have absolutely no independence whatsoever even for the blinker of an eye I mean there's hardly anything missing here just the entire system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being discussed then he reminds them that although you are in need I'm not in anybody's need I am totally independent self-subsisting no need for anybody then he reminds people that all the good that I'm telling you to get and achieve the only way you will achieve these this good is through his grace and through his mercy so all of these things I'm telling you to get the only way you will actually be able to get them is if I am gracious to you if I bestow you with these things and there is no evil not even an atom of evil in this world that can come about unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants it to come about and when it does come it's with his justice that it comes to somebody that it afflicts somebody and through his wisdom now despite all of this despite all of these things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then shows how he is constantly looking for excuses to forgive people that he's constantly in fact effacing our bad deeds by the good deeds that we do all the minor deeds for example all the minor sins that we commit by simple good deeds Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving those things for free we don't even realize it we don't even recognize it and everything else he wants to forgive us on the on the smallest of excuses as long as we give him those things he is the one who is will who will ex, ex, accept our excuses and he will try to protect us as as much as we allow him to protect us he is assisting us in so many cases it could be the most evil person in the world but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects him from many accidents from many evil things coming about coming to him so it's almost like if you look at this it's totally unlike a human being where we are generally affected by all of our other factors so for example if somebody's done very good to us and then they've done something evil to us it will spoil our heart against them they've done good to us all of our life and then suddenly once they did something wrong and it was so bad that we actually everything of the past has been washed away and now we feel evil about this person now our compassion towards that person changes whereas with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what it tells me after looking at all of these things is that with all of his beautiful names it almost like independently each of them are functioning it's they're not functioning independently so of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has all of those things in tandem but they're not like us where one thing is very easily affected by another where our generosity will be affected by our sensibilities in other cases by our uh, our feelings towards the person our generosity will be affected whereas with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it could be the most evil person in the world but he's still generous to him in terms of giving him what he thinks is good for him which is the dunya he's not affected as quickly as we are he is very calculated in what he wants so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's assisting people he is taking on response he's he's the patron of the uh, of whatever uh, welfare that they need he is the one who's giving them uh, delivery from the evils from difficulties he is delivering them from this he is fulfilling his promises to them and he is at the end of the day after all of these things he is the wali of those who have no wali and nobody has a wali nobody has a uh, as a as a caretaker and a friend that is of that nature 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the wali and the friend of those who have no friend besides him, which is pretty much everybody. He is their mawlahum al-haq. He is their, their true caretaker and their assister. Their, he is their assister. He is, them, uh, he is assisting them over their enemies. What a, what a excellent patron he is and what an excellent uh, source of assistance is he. Now, when the hearts have seen from the Qur'an, if you read the Qur'an, this is the kind of things that you will notice. And once the hearts have seen from the Qur'an, this mighty sovereign who is merciful, who is generous, who is elegant and beautiful, then how can you not love him? After recognizing all of these things, how can you not love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How can you not vie with each other in closeness to him? How can you not be encouraged to get closer to him? How can you not then spend every breath of yours in trying to become beloved to him and receive his love? If that is the sake. So if we don't have these feelings, then it means we have not read the Quran enough. It means we haven't pondered the Quran enough. Because anybody who ponders the Quran will get these points. The, the, the way it's written in its beautiful, effective eloquence, there's no way that we could be missing the points that come through. So anybody who understands this, this is the kind of things that he will do. Allah will then become the most beloved to him than anyone else, than anything else. And his satisfaction will be the most important and the greatest priority in anybody's life from the happiness and satisfaction of anybody else. How is a person then not going to find any pleasure in remembering him? How will a person when he does his dhikr not find pleasure? How is it possible then that his love, just determination for him, congeniality with him, feeling his presence, not become that person's sustenance, become that person's nourishment, his strength and his medicine. So it will become everything like this. In such a way that if, those, if, if that is not found, then basically he becomes destroyed. He feels himself to be in vain, he feels himself to be redundant and nothing. And he cannot feel any life. Now the only reason we can still feel life without him is because our life has become of those things besides him. If we start focusing on him, then our life is with him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that, that benefit. But this pain, paints that great picture of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is what we are looking for in the Qur'an. Essentially this is, you can say, an introduction of what you should be looking for in the Qur'an. And if we succeed, then khalas, that will give us the greatest level of benefits. The next point that I want to make here is getting a bit more specific. One of, the, one of the mightiest of Allah's creations, one of its most manifest, one of the most illuminated, one of the most noble and the highest in terms of its entity, its size, its immensity, is what? Is which creature? Is the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the descriptions that you know, it's one of the most glorious creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is the greatest. That is why it is appropriate for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be to, to say in the Quran that He is established, that He is 
uh, that, that this is his and he is overpowering it. Because once you've overpowered the Arsh, which is the greatest of the creation, and he has istiwa on it, then that means everything else is nothing. Everything else is insignificant. This is one of the main things. So that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it in the Quran. Thumma ala al-Arsh. Just to show his dominion over the Arsh and over this, uh, the, the, this um, throne of his, which is the greatest of his creatures. That means everything else just fades uh, in, its, uh, in its comparison. Then after that, what we also have is that we raise our hands up to the heavens when we make dua. Because, not because we believe that Allah is in the sky as such. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is pure of time, is transcendent of time and place. But it's because goodness comes down from the heavens. That is the qibla of our duas. Because that's where the arsh is. What this tells us is that anything that is then if the Arsh is one of the mightiest and most noble of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creatures, aside from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who's on the earth and who's probably the greatest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's created, uh, uh, of, uh, creations, but the Arsh is the mightiest of them in terms of its scope and length and breadth and, uh, and its size. Anything that is close to the Arsh, then it is going to be more illuminated, uh, more pure and more noble than anything that is distant from it. That's kind of what we get and understand from the Qur'an. That's why Jannatul Firdaus is the highest Jannah because Jannatul Firdaus is the most noble of paradise because its roof is the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you know paradise is a hundred degrees, a hundred levels. The topmost one is Jannatul Firdaus. The roof of that one is the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's obviously going to be superior than the lower Jannah. And then further, lower still, you can understand what that goes to. Anything that is further away from the Arsh, it's going to be more dark. That's why the Asfalus Safilin is considered to be the lowest of the low, which is the lowest of the low. That is supposed to be the worst of places, the tightest of places, and the most intense in terms of its punishment and in terms of its distance from goodness. Now, this is the cosmic system. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's system is in terms of the arsh being the highest level. And now let us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the human being, each human being in a reflection of the entire cosmic system. So thus what we have is we have blood flowing through our veins and keeping us alive. That kind of movement is on also on the, uh, on the earth as well. In terms of the water, the seas, the oceans and everything that it needs for it to live, the hair growth, the plants, and all of these things, you can see a lot of similitudes on a micro level in the human being, on a macro level outside. Now that we've spoken on the macro level and the, the, the macrocosm of the human being, uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the world, now let us look in terms of the human being. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of the whole human being, He has created the heart of the human being. He has created that as the receptacle, as the place, as the vessel for his recognition and for his love and uh, for connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the heart out of the entire body of a human being, out of the entire being of the human that is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the human being. That is the human's arsh, right? 
uh, in terms of an, uh, a, a similitude, in terms of a, an example of what's outside in the real world. This is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mahabba will come. This is where his light comes into. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ مَثَلُ السَّوْءِ For those people who don't believe in the hereafter is an evil example. Right? Is an evil example. وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى Whereas for Allah is the highest example, the highest parable. وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ He's the most mighty and the wise one. Then Allah subhanahu that's in Surah Al-Nahl. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Rum, وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَبْدَأُ الْخَلْقَ ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُ وَهُوَ أَهْوَنُ عَلَيْهِ He is the one who initiates creation. He is the one who then returns creation, does it all over again. Right? Then, and this is most simple, most easy for him. It's not a burden at all whatsoever. And for him is the highest parable. If you want to give an example of anything high, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the highest example. Both in the heavens and in the earth. Same thing again, he's the most mighty and the wise one. Mighty so that he has ability to administrate all of his affairs. And he's the wise one because he knows the best way to do these things. So all of these descriptions are always appropriate for their context. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Shura, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is nothing like his example. There is nothing like him. There is nothing like unto him. So this is the example that just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has istiwa on the arsh and he dominates the arsh, likewise for the qalbul mu'min, for the heart of the believer, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's place this is what he dominates he dominates the whole human being but from a positive perspective it's the heart that we're speaking about if the heart then is not the most purest of the limbs of a human being or the organs of a human being if it's not the purest if it's not the most cleansed if it's not the most excellent if it's not the furthest from from uh, all forms of defects and all forms of dirt then it cannot be it will not be worthy of the istiwa. It will not be worthy of that good domination that we're speaking about. That Allah is dominant over the throne. And this is if he if, if we allow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into our hearts to dominate it. It can only, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can only dominate our hearts if it's as far as possible. From the evils and from the dirt that can overcome it. Otherwise, what will dominate this heart, this arsh of ours, is the dunya, the lowly world. Its love will dominate it. We will be constantly attached to the dunya. When that happens, the heart becomes tight. It becomes restricted. It becomes constrained. It, go, it is far then removed from the completeness, from its real success. Eventually, a person's heart, after they continue to grow up, they've been given a pure heart when, they, when every human being is given a pure heart to, at birth. Now, as they grow, the heart becomes one of two things, right? one of two types. Either it's the qalb, which is the arshur rahman. It is either a heart which is the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hence, in it, you'll find the light. You'll find life, true life, satisfaction, contentment, and happiness and it will be a vessel for all goodness and thus when a person speaks 
it will be good, it will be beneficial. When a person walks, when a person touches, when a person looks, it will just reek out goodness. Because the heart is that vessel which has been dominated and it's the arch of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then there is a qalb. The second type is the qalb who are arshu shaytan. It actually becomes the throne of the shaytan. The reason why it's being called a throne here in this case is what happens from a throne? Orders are given. Administration takes place. That's where the control is. So if the arsh of the human being becomes the arsh of Allah, then Allah is the one who controls everything in terms of the positiveness. But if it becomes the arsh of shaitan, then a person then is affected in every way, shape or form. So then if, a per, if the arsh becomes of the shaitan, then you will find restriction and darkness and death and grief and sorrow and all of these things will come about regardless of what the person has outside this will be the state inside because it's the control room for the shaitan and this is what he brings if you read the quran it tells you shaitan gives you uh, gives uh, uh, what you call it ya'idukum al-faqr wa and these are just some examples shaitan constantly tries to warn you that you're going to become poor so do this do that find this avenue of good and uh, find this avenue of making more money and whatever the case is so then a person will be constantly in the state of sorrow over what he's lost in the past he'll be always concerned and worried about what's going to happen in the future and he's obviously going to be depressed about his current state because the arsh his heart is that of the shaitan that's why Imam Tirmidhi has related from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said if the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enters the heart it will become expanded and it will become content it will become content and expanded basically what he's talking about is you know when you get the feeling that I am satisfied I am happy I'm satisfied I can see goodness you know when you're in trouble and then suddenly the trouble is removed you find a solution how do you feel for example let's just say you want to go for Hajj and you just can't and all the packages are sold out you really want to go because this is the only way only year you can go because you're getting off work at this time you haven't done your Hajj you're feeling very guilty and you just now you're calling to all of these packages in Ramadan time and by that all the packages are sold out and you call 1, 2, 3, 5, 10, 15 tour operators and you just can't find anybody with the package you want. Now can you imagine how you'd be feeling? And then suddenly somebody calls you and says, oh I've got this particular package and it's perfect for you. How would you feel? Suddenly just like the whole world illuminates for you. It all brightens up. So likewise if you look at this purely from the sake of the world, now, it's possible that the world is darkened around us and we just got used to that darkness because eventually you get used to things. But it, there's dissatisfaction, which is the problem. That's why Imam Tirm, uh, this hadith of Rasulullah says that when the nur enters the heart, then it opens up and it becomes expanded. Expansion here means it becomes relieved and satisfied. How do you know this, Ya Rasulullah? What is the sign of this? This is the ultimate sign that a person is getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If anybody wants to see that. If you're not finding, even if in your dhikr, 
you're not finding pleasure that you're looking for. But you are spending your half an hour in your dhikr, your one hour in your dhikr, but you're not finding the pleasure. But you find that this is happening to you, then the effect is happening to you. The correct effect. Which is Al-Inaba ila dar al-Khulut. For a person to start returning to the permanent abode. Which means in his mindset and in his focus, he becomes more concerned about the hereafter. That's how it starts. You can't just suddenly say, I'm going to leave the dunya. But you start becoming concerned. of the, Before you weren't concerned of the hereafter. You'd only be concerned when you heard about the hereafter. And even then sometimes you hear a lecture on it and it's like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. But eventually when it starts overcoming you, where you think about this at least once a day now. Whereas before you'd not think about it for maybe once a year or in Ramadan or something like that. But now you actually start thinking about it more often. How is this going to affect me? How is this going to... Uh, is this going to spoil my chances for the hereafter? So al-inaba, you start returning to the hereafter, you start focusing on the hereafter. tajafi an al-ghurur. And you start detaching yourself from the world. You may not give up everything straight away. Like, okay, khalas, finish. No. But your love for it starts diminishing. Your love for it starts diminishing. Where would you like to go? Or anyway, it doesn't make a difference. You, know, you, 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 you become less refined in your dunya, less pursuant of its desires. You get by with a little. It doesn't matter as much to you. You're not constantly behind it. You're not constantly trying to pursue it. You may not abandon it completely. It takes time for that thing to happen. But at least if the sign is that I've started to focus on the hereafter, I've started to detach myself from the world, it doesn't it matters a bit less than it used to before then that is a start and well and you start some preparation for death before it comes if you start re- remembering your death that's a start that is why the nur that enters into the heart is of the effects of this higher similitude of the arsh that is why the heart then gains satisfaction and expansion because of it. And if there is no love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and recognition of Him in the heart, doesn't come in at all, then it's going to remain dark and constricted. And that's why the way we start our dhikr, this is exactly what we do. We train ourselves to have this nur because the nur of Allah is everywhere. We are now trying to tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we want this nur in our hearts. So that's how we started off. But the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it enters the heart, then it just takes over. As long as we give it enough time. Shaitan is going to try to distract us as much as possible when we try to do this, when we try to connect ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how we start. And then we start taking the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. But this gives us a complete outlook of what to look for in the Qur'an. These are the kind of signs you're supposed to be looking for when you read in the Qur'an, when you're looking around you, to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doing all of these things. He's in charge of it. There's nothing left. Out of everything that we discussed here, there was nothing left in this world to do except from Him. Everything from administration to promising to rewarding to facilitating, administrating, everything is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us connection to, uh, to Him, connection to Him, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purify our hearts and make it 
Arshur Rahman as opposed to the Arshur Shaitan. Allah grant us detachment from this world and attachment and focus on the hereafter. وآخر الدعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم السلام كالسلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم رحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا من لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم صلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم اغفر لنا 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 وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لموتانا المسلمين الذين شهدونك بالوحدانية وماتوا على ذلك اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم Oh Allah, accept our du'as Oh Allah, forgive us our sins Oh Allah, forgive us our sins Forgive us our excesses Oh Allah, forgive our attachment Oh Allah, forgive our attachment to the world Oh Allah, forgive us our detachment for all of these years to you. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us your noor and your light. Oh Allah, we ask that you purify our hearts. Oh Allah, purify our hearts. Oh Allah, cleanse our hearts. Oh Allah, cleanse our hearts. Oh Allah, cleanse our minds of the bad ideas we may have. Oh Allah, cleanse our limbs from the sins that they commit. Oh Allah, oh Allah we ask you for your care, for your protection. Oh Allah, we ask you for purity. Oh Allah, we ask you for purity of mind and heart and behavior. Oh Allah, purity of deeds. Oh Allah, we ask you for a life of purity and taqwa. We ask you for a life of purity and taqwa. Oh Allah, forgive us our excesses. Forgive us our lives until now. And oh Allah, change our lives from now. Oh Allah, make our hereafter beautiful for us. Oh Allah, make our actions beautiful for us. Oh Allah, make our actions beautiful for us. Allah, remove all of the obstacles and difficulties in our path. Oh Allah, remove the challenges from around us. Oh Allah, allow us to deal with these challenges in a successful manner. Oh Allah, grant us your guiding. Oh Allah, grant us your guiding hand. Oh Allah, grant us your guidance in everything that we do. Oh Allah, strengthen our weakness for your sake. Oh Allah, remove our weakness. Remove our weakness. Oh Allah, all the difficulties that we face in coming closer to you. Oh Allah, we ask you for assistance in this regard. We can't do it alone. Oh Allah, we cannot do it alone. We lack the strength. We, we are weak. Oh Allah, we are weak. Oh Allah, we are weak. We ask you to protect us and our households, our homes, our affairs. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect them from the shaitan, from all of the challenges that we find outside. Oh Allah, day by day the challenges are only growing. Oh Allah, we ask you for protection. We ask you for protection. Grant us the kalima, La ilaha illallah on our deathbed. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you grant your abundant blessings to our Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun alil mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi.